I'm just so in love with you. And I just thank you, God, for every person here, every person that seeks your heart, Lord. I pray that we would all see the move of God that you've promised. And in the land of the living, we will see your glory fall on us, great and small. Father, we thank you, Lord. We rejoice that you give us the strength to persevere no matter what the enemy throws at it. It works for our good. 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 In Jesus' name, no matter what, God turns it around. The enemy can't touch us. He can't curse what you have blessed, Lord. We just thank you that we're growing every day. We're getting stronger every day. We're getting wiser every day. We just thank you that we will persevere. We will press through. We will overcome because of you. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts and minds and help us to receive everything that you want us to receive. Even if I don't say it, Lord, you will download it into our hearts and minds right now. Make us stronger. Build us up. Help us to know you and make you known. In Jesus' name, Lord, we commit this service to you and we cancel every assignment that comes against it right now. Holy Spirit, release yourself on us. Prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies, Lord, and make the enemy watch as your glory falls on us. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Praise you, God. Well, you know, I've just I've been feeling like... This week was just a battle, battle, battle royale. And it's not just us. It's like all over the place. Everybody's facing something. And that just really encourages me. I know I say that a lot. But sometimes you need encouragement and you're like, okay, I'll take what I can get. But today I wanted to read the scripture, Luke eleven thirty three. No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it can light and be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is bad, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with the light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant. And as though a floodlight were filling you with light. When we think we know the truth, but yet we don't, we're really living in darkness. The fact is that we have to ask the Lord for the truth. Always. When I'm seeing things with somebody, sometimes I know without a shadow of doubt, I'm seeing, oh God, this is it, this is it. But sometimes I'm not sure what I'm seeing. And I say, God, what am I seeing? I have to ask him, Lord, show me, reveal to me. I want to see only what you have me see. And I have to do that with myself as well. We have to say, God, I want to hear and see only about myself what you, what is the truth according to what you see. Because what he sees is the truth. So when we have a basket on our head, we've got to understand that is, that is limiting us. And it's keeping us from having what it says in verse 36 where it says, You are filled with light with no dark corners. Then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. I want to be that. I want to be the radiant floodlight. Amen? When I walk in a room, I want everybody to be like, Wow, I felt God suddenly. Right now, you know, we're doing a lot with computers. Our society is full of computers. And I don't know about you guys, but a couple times in our 
since we've had computers, maybe three times, we've had viruses on our computer. Somebody got on there and clicked something and that click had a virus attached to it and it downloaded the virus on our computer. And viruses are out there and you have to learn to guard yourself from those viruses. You don't want to wreck your computer. And the same with your brain. Your, your, your spirit, your heart, your mind. You don't, you don't want a virus in your mind. And a lot of times the enemy will send a thought to your brain. And you're thinking a thought. And you have just a few moments to decide whether you're going to click on that thought or not. And that, if, if you give in and you start to focus on that thought, think about that thought. You'll download a virus. In that case, download a demonic lie or a demonic spirit that will just torment you. All because of one thing you thought about that you should have taken captive and said, no, that's not my God. This is the, the war that we're in between light and dark, heaven and hell, God and the world, lies and truth. There's a spirit of lie that we are battling against over this world right now. A spirit of saying that darkness is light and light is darkness. Christians are bad and the world is good. No. No. That's, that's what we are fighting against. That's what we will win against. Because our God promises that there will be a time. In Zechariah it says there will be a time where he will break off that spirit of lying. Alright, Luke 13.10. This is an example of a virus. Luke 13.10. One Sabbath day as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he saw a woman who was crippled by an evil spirit. She had been doubled over, doubled over for 18 years and was unable to stand upright for 18 years. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight and how she praised God. That's, that's like one line. How she praised God. Can you imagine? But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. And he said, there are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on one of those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath. You're thinking, are you serious? Did you just say that? Are you serious? He just healed this woman of an 18-year-old affirmity, and you're saying she should have come on a different day, healed her on the wrong day? Did you, are you blind? Do you have a basket on your head? Can you not see reality here? Jesus just brought heaven to earth for this woman. He transformed her life. Nothing short of her whole entire life. Everybody else in the room rejoiced. And this guy's got an issue, right? That's what we're dealing with the church today. I see that constantly wherever I go. You have an amazing service. You have an amazing word. You have this. You have that. And they're just like, can you show me that in the Bible? Are you sure? <laughs> you know, I'm telling you. It's like they're missing it. They're blinded. They're putting their light under a basket. Nobody can receive from them. Nobody, they, what are they going to do for God with a stinking basket on their head? Because they're, they're, they're living a false reality, a false narrative of that, that the letter of the law matters more than God showing up on earth. I'm sorry. When God shows up and transforms somebody's life, he can do it on Sunday. He can do it any day he pleases because he made Sunday. 
And the word of God says Sunday is for man. Man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for man. So he can heal. And now it sounds, it sounds crazy to us because we don't live in that world, but that was a huge deal to them. But a lot of times... This, this was a lot of what I was dealing with this week, was these nighttime battles. They come at 2, 3, 4, 5 in the morning. And you wake up, and you're faced with an alternate reality. It comes at night, because you don't really know what you're doing, because you're so out of it. So it comes at night, and it starts to just read your mail. So do you remember this? This is Satan to me. Do you remember when I did this to you? Do you remember when I did this to you? Do you remember how bad that hurt? Do you remember that? Do you Look at all the things that have happened to you. Look at all the destructive things. More people hate you than love you. Holly loves that line. I'm telling you, that's a stinking virus. And he hits you at night because you're weak at night. But then you wake up in the morning and you're like, what a fool you are. To think that's going to work on me. You've been stalking me my whole life. You don't know any better than that. And I look at the whole thing and I say, Devil, what are you so afraid of? What are you so afraid of? I've never in my life been attacked in so many crazy ways from so many people. Like, when I feel attacked, like, I was dealing with migraines this week. Like, migraines, lies of the enemy, migraines, lies. You know, it was all over the place, all over the place. And I'd have to stop and say, Lord, what's this? What's this? And either he'd tell me or somebody else, and I'd rebuke it, it'd go away. But it's like all over the place. You can't bank on, oh, I've got one enemy coming at me right now. I'm just going to deal with them. No, you have multiple. You never know. And here's the thing. The enemy, it's the same spirit going to different people. They might think they're doing something good for you. But the enemy's got them tricked because they can't see correctly. And they're living in a false reality of speaking a false narrative. And so they're speaking into your life things that are destructive to your spirit and your destiny. But this is the hour we live in, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't rather be any other place at any other time because I am saying this is the year of the Lord. The reason why all hell is breaking loose is because he is utterly, absolutely terrified. We are gonna see. Right now, we are going to see the enemy completely uncovered. He's already being uncovered. That stupid abortion thing. Yes. Everybody's going, no, you couldn't, you would bore people if you talked about abortion a year ago, or maybe 10 years ago. You would bore people. They're over it. Now, whoo, something's gone off in the spirit realm. Something's gone off. Preachers on TV are talking about abortion. People are waking up. Why? Because God intends to do something. So he's waking up his warriors to do it. So we have this thing. Fear comes, brings destructive thoughts. And its ultimate goal is to discourage you. But we're going to let it encourage us. I'm going to tell you, I got this off of Jim Gall's website. He had this on there. It was just so good. He said, the things that the Lord does, when the Lord is speaking to you about something... He calms you, or the Holy Spirit, He calms you, He comforts you, He encourages you, He enlightens you. Sometimes He tells you, hey, 
you really shouldn't have said this. That that's acting like a curse. That's enlightenment. You, you know, he brings enlightenment. Like confess this sin. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't bring condemnation. He leads us. He reassures us. And he stills us. But Satan comes, and here's how he acts. He obsesses over. He's relentless, obsessing. You know, God comes like a still, small voice. Satan is just like, obsessing over. You're in danger. He makes us worry. He condemns us. He makes us feel condemned. He'll bring something up in your mind that you did back when you were 12. You say, I'm not 12 no more. And who cares? I was a kid. So he tries to condemn us. He tries to discourage us. He tries to confuse us. He pushes us to react in a certain way. He frightens us. And he rushes us. I can't tell you how many times I've just stopped dead in my tracks because there was something that came up and it was like, do it now, do it now, do it now. And I'm like, well... If I don't have time to think whether that's the Lord or not, I probably shouldn't do it. Unbelief produces anger. Negativity produces unbelief. Unbelief produces anger. When you suddenly doubt the word of God and the promises of God, you get angry. And negativity, a negative thought, a negative friend... Negativity produces unbelief, which leads to anger against God because he didn't do what you wanted him to do when you wanted him to do it. And if you know God, he created time. So unless he told you something would happen at a certain time, you better just keep believing until it happens. Because he created time, and he will accomplish that in the time that he designates. So perfect love, the faith... Faith of God pushes back fear and makes way for trust. Perfect love in 1 John 4.18, perfect love, which is Jesus Christ, conquers our fears. He says, so what if this doesn't happen the way you want to? So what? Have I ever failed you? No. Never failed me. Because you love me. And you're never going to fail me. And in Romans 8.28, God uses all things together for good. So when the enemy does come in, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him and use all that he's done for your good. Amen? He'll turn it all for good. I can't tell you how many times the enemies come at me and I've used it in a sermon or a book. I try to get my money's worth. If he's going to come attack me and, and try to mess me up in some way, I'm going I'm to use it for the good of God. I'm going to teach somebody else, don't go this way. I did and I got burned. You know what I'm saying? Okay, 2 Timothy 3.5. This isn't the scripture, but it says, but I, wanna, I just want to say this. This is what the Holy Spirit gave me. It says, depression comes when we conform our spirit the Holy Spirit living inside of us, our spirit man, when we conform our spirit to the world instead of conforming the world to the Spirit of God, when we conform ourselves to the standards of the world, maybe maybe a friend will say, well, God doesn't heal for today. Today is 
he doesn't heal anymore. That was just for Bible days. Or Holy Spirit isn't for today. That was just in Bible days. All right, that's, that's a virus. And we have to choose, is that God speaking to me or not? And I'm telling you, so many people have fallen for that. So many people. And what we do is we literally take ourselves out of communion with God and communion with His Spirit. And we put ourselves in an alternate reality. And then we wonder why we can't feel God, see God, why we're suddenly depressed, why we're overwhelmed. Wait a minute, where did I go? What, what did I think of that I shouldn't have thought of? What did I accept as reality? You have to go back and be like, oh, that's right. I, I did accept that discouraging thought. I did accept that from that person. Or I'm doubting it. I'm fighting back and forth over it. Maybe somebody told me healing isn't for today, and I'm, I'm on the fence now. I'm not really sure. So then you go pray for somebody to be healed, and you're like, if you heal today, if we have authority, instead of reacting with authority, casting that thought out and saying, well, I don't care what they're saying. I want to see the healing of God. What's in the word of God, I want to see manifested in the land of the living right now. Amen? Because the word of God is a little smarter than just your random Joe on the street. Sorry. Sorry. So 2 Timothy 3.5 it says, They're having a form of godliness but denying its power. Having nothing to do... Have nothing to do with such people. Why? Because they're a walking virus. You download that on your computer, you're going to need a new computer. You're going to need, you're going to need a revival, a truckload of Christians to get you fixed up. I want to read it in the New Living. It says, Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. What's its power? The Holy Spirit. Avoid such people. Avoid such people. That's just like when, you're, when you know that a website that you're going to could potentially have a virus. Now we have all these alarms and things on our computer and it'll come up, this could be a scam or this could have viruses. Don't go there. Then you know you're good. You're not gonna, it's the same thing. When you know somebody has a problem with negativity, not just a once in a while thing, I'm feeling down kind of thing, but I'm talking, it's their career. <laughs> when they have a negative spirit, an accusatory spirit, and you know you get around them and they just make you feel hopeless and discouraged, stay away from that. Don't click on that button. Don't go there. A lot of times, you'll see those people and they, they come to you and they... they have had such a difficult time and they come and they tell you all their troubles and they download their troubles and you try to bring the word of the Lord and they're like but no 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 my troubles my troubles and you're like here's the word my troubles my troubles alright some people you can help some people you can't walk away and find somebody who's ready to receive yeah, yes you're in trouble you need help let's go to God Let's fight this thing. Let's be victorious. Let's not let this get under us. So we have to focus on the spirit to shake off the things of man, the things of the world. You know, seriously, years ago we were going to an AG church for a while and the pastor started doing a sermon because he'd had so many people in his church that were just sinning rampantly. And so he started doing this series on what we believe. Just saying the truth of what we believe instead of the compromised truth that, yeah, it's okay to live 
together before you're married, or it's okay to kill babies if, if you don't really want them. And, and you know, it's all these compromised truths that is just horrendous if you really stop to think about it. And he started doing these things like, this is what we believe. And it felt like my spirit was taking a bath. It was just like, literally, yes, this is what we believe. Getting all the viruses, everything the world tries to assign to us. And just say, no, this is what I believe. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the active healing power of God. I believe in the prophetic word being sharper than a two-edged sword. I believe in God. And get your minds back on this instead of this compromised reality that you see in the church around us. So we focus on the spirit and we focus on the blessings of God. We celebrate what God has already done. What did, what did he command the Jewish people to do? He said, remember the miracles of the past. Remember what I've brought you through. Remember. A lot of times you can have like... <sighs> 50,000 things that are amazing in your life. You've got the birds in the sky. You've got green grass. You've got warm weather in Texas and not a polar vortex. You've got an amazing husband, wonderful kids. You've got it made in the shade. God is blessing you. But then you've got one thing. And the enemy brings it up here right close. Until you see only that and that alone. And you think, I just want to go to heaven. I'm so tired of living on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) And you've got to take authority over that thing. And saying, you're a liar and that's a lie. And I recognize your voice. It is not the voice of my Savior. So you get. So we focus on the Spiriter who is our comforter, our friend our guide, and we celebrate. You know, in the morning, I started this thing where I just say, good morning, friend. Because I want the Holy Spirit to know that I think of him as my very good friend. And I want to take the time to recognize him in a friend way. Because I want him to download more of that to me. I want to be BFFs with the Holy Spirit. Good morning, friend. Dearest, precious friend, thank you. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you for never forsaking me. Thank you for protecting everything that concerns me. Thank you for loving me the way you do. Thank you for conquering my enemies. I thank you, Lord, that I have nothing to fear. And on and on and on. Because he's never failed me. I'm 50. That's 50 years of no failing. Pretty good. Pretty good ratio. So a lot of times Satan will come with this barrage of, do you remember when you did this sin? Remember when you did that sin? Remember? Well, the word of God says that he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Now you all know the east and west can't meet. And they're as far apart as they'll ever be. Because if you go to the east, the west is over here. If you go to the west, the east is over here. So if you go to the Go to the past, it can never touch your future. Your past is over here, and your future's over here. Now you can go spend time in the past if you want, but it can never strip you of your future. Amen? Because this, your sin, your old man, your sin, as far as the east is from the west, if you have repented before God, it's done. You say, God, forgive me of this. I repent of that. I don't want to live that one anymore. I want to live over here. Everybody has a choice. You can live in garbage if you want. But wouldn't you rather live in a really nice condo? (laughs) So let's get away from the past. Let's thank God for our future. So... 
Jezebel and Elijah. You know, I talked a couple weeks ago about Jezebel and Elijah and how Jezebel stood before Ahab and he killed 950 of Jezebel's prophets. And God showed up in a massive, amazing way. And then Jezebel, or Jezebel threatened him, Elijah, and he left and hid from Jezebel. He was afraid. She wanted to kill him. That was her threat. She wanted to kill Elijah. Did she? No. She didn't. What happened was God ministered to Elijah, brought him back up, and he says, I want you to go get Elisha and anoint him to take your place, raise up Jehu. Jehu, I want to write a whole book on Jehu. He's the bomb. He's amazing. So he goes to get Elisha. He raises up Elisha to be the next prophet in his place. He does twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Twice as many miracles. He goes and gets Jehu. He anoints Jehu. And he says, you must fulfill the prophecy against Ahab and his whole household, which was total annihilation for his whole household. So he goes and gets Jehu. Jehu goes to, a lot, to, goes to Jezebel's, I suppose, palace. He goes to her palace and he's standing outside and they, she sees him. So she sends servant after servant she sends the servants to Jehu, and Jehu says, Are you for the Lord, or are you for Jezebel? Basically, if you're for Jezebel, you're going to die today. <laughs> if not, you're going to live. So these guys come out, and they're like, We're for the Lord, man. So they, they end up joining Jehu, right? So then finally, here's Jezebel. Here's Jezebel. This is how dumb sometimes. Okay, Jezebel, she decides to put on makeup. She thinks she's going to charm this guy. He come to kill her. <laughs> she can charm him. <laughs> so she puts on makeup and she sits in the window still and she's like, Jehu, what have you come? You know, she says her little thing. And he don't even talk to her. He don't even answer her. He says, all right, all you people in that house of Jezebel, if you stand for the Lord, you pick her up and throw her out the window right now. And that's just what they did to eunuchs. Picked her up and threw her out the window. She died. Now this is the woman... This is the woman who scared Elijah so bad he's in the cave. So all the, all the threats and everything did nothing. All it did was call down the, 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 the wrath of God on herself. So she's dead. And, and Jehu later feels bad. He says, well, we should bury her. She was a queen after all. So he goes back out to pick her up, to bury her in the royal graveyard. And she's not there because God sent dogs to eat her and lick up her blood. <laughs> That's hardcore. That is seriously hardcore. So when Jezebel comes to attack us and makes us afraid and makes us fearful, you just say, come on, puppies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> come on, puppies. It's time for a feast. Okay, do, do you see what I'm saying? That it didn't happen. The, and all the enemy did was make Elijah afraid. But you know what? Elijah never died. He got to go alive in the chariot of the Lord up to heaven. Isn't that phenomenal? He didn't die. He, but he did get to go be with the Lord. But I'm saying, first of all, she can't touch you. All she can do is dis 
courage you. You have courage? She discourages you. She takes your courage away. All we have to think about is, does she have any power of my God? Can she stop the move of God? No, she can't. We have nothing to fear because whatever she throws at us will be thrown back at her. Will be thrown back at her. And that's what happens right that's what's happening right now in our midst historically. You're going to see some days you're going to flip on the news and you're going to see a time where the the blankets and the comforters are pulled back off of the sheets of Jezebel's bed and you're going to see how nasty it was. You're going to see full-fledged why you've been having to deal with all the garbage you've been dealing with. Because the one thing she hates is genuine lovers of God, genuine seekers of God, because they're the only ones who can take her down. She hates courage. She throws as much fear as as she can. And here's the thing the Lord taught me. He says, never fear her. Whatever she does to you, I will use for your good. Never fear that spirit. Because she hates prophetic people. She will launch whatever assault that she can. But the more she assaults, the more she attacks, the smarter I get. We need to wake up in the morning and think, if we can't name 20 things that God has done for us, then you're under attack. Because the enemy wants to dull God's influence on you, just like Adam and Eve. He wants to lie to us just like he did then so he can get us trapped up into something and get us away from God. So we need, to fi- we need to come against that attack, rebuke it, cancel its assignment, and then we need to find somebody, even if it's your dog or even if it's the Lord, and you need to start saying, Lord, do you remember when you did this for me? Do you remember when I was 16 and all alone and now I can't find a minute to be alone because you blessed me so much? <sighs> Can you remember when I didn't really know you and now I do? Can you remember when I was wrapped up into dull, empty religion and now I can't live without the vibrancy of your Holy Spirit? All right, so 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of, our wor- of the world. See, that's where Christians screw up, is they use the weapons of the world to fight spiritual battles, and they don't work. Have you ever tied speaking logic to somebody who is just completely deceived? (laughs) That don't work. Instead, they have divine power. Divine power. That's godly power. Power from God to take authority over the enemy and tear down his strongholds. We demolish strongholds. Demolish. We tear down arguments. And every presupposition set up against the knowledge of God, the truth of God. And we take captive every thought. And here's the best part. And we make it obey God. We may, have you ever had a bad dream? And you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't like the ending of that dream. I'm going to change it. And then instead of being beat up, you're like victorious and you kill everybody. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. The enemy comes in. He sets up his agenda virus, you click on it, something's downloading in your head, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, wait a minute, I am going to take this thought captive, and then I'm going to make it obey God. I'm going to force that thing to obey God. I'm going to remind it of the word of God and the promises that God gave to me. Now I want to talk to you about King David. King David was a shepherd boy out in the field taking care of sheep. 
He didn't ask to be king of Israel. He never probably even thought about being king of Israel. He just loved the Lord so much. He's like, hey, I'm good. I get to spend all day long with the Lord in the field and my sheep, and I'm good. And suddenly he gets called into the house and anointed to be the next king of Israel. Only problem is there's already a king of Israel. You're kind of asking for trouble. You just got anointed to take over the whole kingdom. You, one minute you're a shepherd and you're good there. And the next minute, this thing is thrust on you. So he goes about, and you know, it goes pretty good for a while. He, he enters, uh, he kills Goliath. He enters Saul's household. He even gets to marry Saul's daughter. And the whole time he's there, he's, he, he's, he doesn't have a clue who he is. And he's constantly like, oh, you're the king, Saul. Who am I to marry your daughter? You're the king. You're the big deal. I'm just, you know. He was just anointed by God, but he doesn't really understand what that is. And then one day, Saul, King Saul, tries to kill him. And he shakes it off. And he tries to kill him again. So now, David has to run for his life into the wilderness, literally running for his life, living in a cave. At one point, he pretended to be mad, insane, because he was afraid people were going to kill him. So now he's got an entirely different reality. You know, before he was at least in the palace, so it makes sense that someday, oh, Saul will just wake up from a dream someday and say, oh, David, you're supposed to, forget Jonathan, you're supposed to be the next king. But that didn't happen. And it rarely does. Not only did he have to kill Goliath, but he's having to live under the threat of losing his life from a guy that he loved a lot. And you've got to know, when he was in the cave, it basically was a toilet because people went in to go to the bathroom, and he's living there. TMI. That was too much information. <laughs> So literally, you got to think to yourself, sometime this guy probably wondered, was Samuel senile? Was he losing it? Did he make this up? God, this is not the reality that you said I was going to live in. I didn't ask for this. Why am I living in this reality, running for my life? But all the time in the wilderness that he was running for his life, God kept bringing these people to him that were the mightiest men, warriors of Israel. And they would come, and he formed such a bond with his men in, in, in that time. And every battle that they fought, they got mightier and mightier and mightier and mightier and mightier until when he was ready to be king, he knew he, God had made him king. In body, soul, and spirit, he was king, and he knew he was going to be a great king. When we're fending for our lives, when we're out there, and we're doing what God told us to do, and some days we're thinking, I didn't ask for this. You've got to understand at that moment, there is a day when David was crowned king of Israel. There is a day when the promise comes to pass. There is a day when we wake up and we're like, I'm so glad that I had to live in the wilderness. I know who I am and there's nobody can beat me or match me. David took out all of Israel's enemies. But it was during those moments when he, when he probably thought to himself, God, 
What are you doing? What, what's, I, I love this guy. I love this whole family. This is my family. I married into this family. Now they're trying to kill me and they hate me and they're saying all this stuff about me. And God just says, David, there will be a day when you wear the crown. There'll be a day when you'll be the best king Israel ever had. And that's what I'm trying to say to us right now. That there's a day when we walk out the promises of God. When we rebuke demons and they run. I've had people come up to me at times when the anointing is super strong. And I, they, 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 their demons just fly. They, just, they go, they run. Before I can even say a word. They just go. They know it's coming. There's a day when you're going to speak to somebody's leg and it's going to be whole. We see that in a little bit now. We see victories when we've had to fight with all our might. But we're going to have victories when all we have to do is walk in a room. We are going to see the day where we win and we are going to rejoice. We are going to be thankful for everything we've gone through. We will be thankful and we will rejoice in everything God has done for us. And we'll be so grateful that we have the stamina, the experience, and the testimony. Revelation says they feared nothing because the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Because a man with an argument will always be at the mercy of a man with an experience. And the last thing, I just want to tell you, we've got the power. We've got the Holy Spirit. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard against him. And the Holy Spirit, I think he kind of enjoys beating down the enemy and setting us captives free. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how far gone somebody is. I, <coughs> I, I believe God for everybody out there. I believe God. Because I know what's coming. I've seen it in the Spirit. And I think, Lord, when that, when that thing comes... Nobody's going to have to deal with pride, or at least a lot less. You know, they're going to be humbled when they see the glory of God. They're going to be humbled by the presence of God. They're going to be humbled because they know they're not a big deal, and He is a big deal. And it's all about Him. Everybody, just raise your You don't have to stand up, but just raise your hands up to the Lord like you're receiving something from Him. Father God, we, like David... Thank you for the time in the wilderness, the time when we were confused, when we just held on to you for all we're worth because we wanted you more than we wanted life. I pray right now that you would destroy every tiny dark corner in our minds that fears Jezebel or fears the attack of the enemy in any way. I pray that you would consume all fear in Jesus' name, we would not fear the enemy. We would trust our God so much that we wouldn't even notice what he's doing against us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that for every person that has come against us right now.
that they have built in us an iron tower of strength for other people to run to and find refuge in you, Lord. I thank you, God, that you will build into the corners of our mind, even the corners of our mind, strength in you. Focus on you. Destroy every dark thing, Lord, that still remains. And renew our minds into your kingdom, into your reality. Help us to know you and make you known. God, I pray that we would take you all over the earth. That we would help people to know you. They would really know you. And you would renew their minds and make them one with you in thought, word, and deed. Lord, we God, we repent. I repent and we repent forever fearing the enemy, forever fearing Jezebel, forever even listening to her words. I pray that we would only hear the promises of God and the word of God, and that alone would guide us and influence us. In Jesus' mighty name, we collectively say, we will go through. We will persevere and we will overcome. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.